Well, hi, everybody. This is Pastor Brian here with kind of a special release we have for you here on the Bridgeway Sermon Podcast. A lot of you know Pastor Matt Bach uh, just recently had a pretty substantial bout with COVID and pneumonia, wound up in the hospital. So many of us mobilized to pray for him, and we're so grateful that he's he's doing better and is back with us and just has an amazing story to tell of his experience fighting COVID, experiencing our church family and, and Christians all over the place, just rallying behind him and, and seeing God work in his life is in a pretty powerful way. So once Matt got back, I I just wanted to get him in the studio as quick as possible so that we could hear his story and hear about all that God did. So uh, very excited to have Pastor Matt Bach joining me here. And Matt, we're going to go back to the beginning here in just a second and walk through the timeline. But let's just start with present day. We're sitting here on what, October, <laughs> October, August 11th. And how are you feeling? How how's it been just sort of being back in reality, I guess. Yeah, and uh, I would say coming off this last weekend into this week has been my first like full week back that it's like been like a normal week like it was before back yeah. in June when I was working and been feeling really, really good. I mean, I've told a lot of people as they've saw me and hugged me and, you know, asked how I'm doing that like like I've been recovering really well. Um, and for a lot of people that are in the medical field they and know a little bit about COVID and all these different pieces, they're like, man, like, that doesn't happen this way, you yeah. know? And, uh, and so, yeah, gaining strength every day, um, you know, still finding times with like my limitations and, and seeing things about maybe my breathing or my energy, but I mean, getting a chance to still get out and do some walks and move around and not feel like I'm like panting or like having to sit down. And, and so, so yeah, I've been feeling really good and, and just, you know, you navigate a couple little things, but like, you know, all together, it's like, man, I, in such a different place yeah. that I was, what a month ago, oh, um, a little bit more than a month ago now. So totally. Well, yeah. that's yeah, that's obviously obviously really great to hear. Now, take us back, kind of the, to the beginning here. Just walk us through a little bit of the timeline of kind of what you experienced in terms of starting to not feel so great, knowing you needed to go into the hospital. Let's kind of start with that with that story, and then we'll get to sort of what God did in the midst of all of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, so one of the things that it kind of all started on such a, a down, a downer because, um, you know, like like a lot of people, we hadn't had a chance to travel or go do anything in over a year, yeah. um, with our family, like nothing more than a few days or a couple of days. And so, one of the things we were looking forward to is Hume Lake. We were going to Hume Lake Christian Camps. My my oldest son was going to be going to high school. My daughter was going to be going to, uh, to the wagon train. And so, you know, obviously kind of having something that's at stake, we were being extra cautious and we were trying to make sure our kids weren't getting exposed to anything. And, uh, um, and then altogether we went to do our PCR test the, the Friday before we were supposed to leave. Cause you have because to do you it. To get tested. Yeah. You had to get tested in order to go to Hume. Yeah. And so, so we were just having our kids do it initially and we had actually had them tested the week before and they were negative. And so, uh, so anyways, like, uh, we go and a couple hours later we get, um, cause this is one of the rapid tests we get you know, my son comes back as positive and we're like, what? Like wow. no symptoms, nothing. So we're all like super discouraged, depressed. So we had to cancel our Hume trip. The kids couldn't go. We couldn't go. My wife and I and our youngest, were going to be going up to a cabin up there and staying up there throughout the whole week. So that all was just a bummer. So then we got into the next week and we were all hunkering down and, uh, and I had had kind of some sniffles and, and like, like really minor cough on like the, the Saturday, late Saturday into Sunday. But by Monday I felt fine. Hmm. Uh, Tuesday night though, I start the chills and fever. So this is July 6th. And, uh, so I have the chills and fever really bad in the night. So like just my, our beds, a pool of sweat, <laughs> that whole like miserable. And I, I know there's a number of people that have been through that part of it. Yeah. Um, so that happened the, the, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, the seventh, Thursday, the eighth. Um, and then it started moving on that Thursday into like some of the coughing and the congestion. And, yeah. um, and so it was just brutal. And, uh, so we move into the Friday, um, the Friday the 9th, same thing. And then Saturday, I'm having that same thing in the morning or I'm just having like a coughing fit. And kind of a little bit after after lunch, I just have this coughing fit that I felt like I could not recover from. So I'm wow. coughing and I'm spitting up kind of the brown, greenish, mucusy stuff and and even like kind of bloody stuff. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. Yeah. And uh, But I have the coughing fit so intense that like I'm like I'm having a hard time after like coughing trying to get like – my breath back. And so I told my wife, I was like, let's go to the ER. We head there at three o'clock. And of course, like a lot of ERs, you get there. And what's good is that initially 
they like did blood work and got me in and did a chest x-ray and were checking my vitals. They did that pretty quick. And then it was that whole like four hour waiting game. Yeah. And they had us in like a separate uh, kind of waiting room because we were COVID and they tested us, of course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we had already gotten tested on the Friday, but we hadn't gotten the results back because it was like a two day yeah. um, PCR. And uh, so anyways, we get in, they finally have us see a doctor and that doctor goes, yes, you tested positive for COVID and you have pneumonia. So you have the COVID pneumonia. And, and so uh, my, my oxygen levels, um, the saturation was <clears throat> under 90, especially if I was moving around. And so that's when they're like, yeah, it's, it's smart to admit you and watch you get you started on some of the stuff. So, so we move in um, that night, probably around 10 o'clock, nine o'clock is when they finally get us into a room and, uh, and they're giving me very, very low oxygen, like like two liters per minute. And so that was my Saturday night into my Sunday. Um, that, so that was the 11th. And then Monday, the 12th, I'm still in this Your hospital birthday, room, right? which was my birthday. Yeah. So like, <laughs> so I'm celebrating my birthday in the hospital. And fortunately, at that point, just in the hospital room, they would still let my wife come and visit because she had tested positive as well. So they're like, well, there's not a risk, yeah. <laughs> a greater risk for you. Um, although the doctor was still concerned about having to come around, too many details. But uh, so so I'm still there, but I'm still coughing up stuff. And I keep sharing that with my nurses. Um, hey, like, this is still hard. I'm spitting stuff up. Do you is something more you want to do for that? And they'd already given me the remdesivir and the steroids and a whole lot of other things. Uh, but I'm not improving. And so July 13th, so now it's the Tuesday, they turn my oxygen up to like 12 liters per minute. So it's, it's, they're kind of creeping it up. Um, July 14th, I kind of start feeling the weirdness of how the doctors and nurses are, are treating it because now they're starting to go, okay, like this is getting more, more and more serious. They've turned up my oxygen now to 20 and then 35 and so that's when they took another chest X-ray and they saw stuff was way more serious than it was on the Saturday. Wow. So this is on the Wednesday going into Thursday. And so that's when they start moving me to the ICU. And by that point, they've now put me up to 60 liters per minute on the oxygen, which is at 100% saturation, which is at the highest kind of level that it can be. And so that's where the ICU doctor comes in and they start talking about how serious it's becoming and that's the first time we start hearing about things that a lot of us have read and watched on the news over the last year and a half, which is, you know, moving into levels of intubation yeah. and a ventilator, which I know for me was like, that's the end. Yeah. And now I know there's people that have recovered from it, praise the Lord, but I knew that that was a serious level. Yeah. So you're now at 60 liters per minute of oxygen, mm-hmm. maximum level. And you've just described to us a matter of a matter of days and just, you know, in a matter of yeah. minutes, right? Talk about what your mentality was like as you're having, I'm sure, probably way too much time by yourself <laughs> and yeah. things are, are bad. Like, I mean, I, yeah. that had to have been a really, really dark time. Yeah. Yeah. The first couple of days, you know, you're kind of just like in the hospital and and because Becky could come, it was, it was kind of okay, but you're like, okay, like how long is this going to take? And, yeah. and and you're kind of just hoping that it's going to be that three to five day thing and you're out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and... And so, like, I even tried to do a little bit of work. Um, I had my computer at first. and uh, But, yeah, you're by yourself a lot of the time. And so, you know, it wasn't until, I think, my birthday that I kind of started updating people that I was in the hospital. Right. Because after, like, two days, I'm like, oh, probably should let some people know. Like, my family knew and some of you guys knew on the staff. But I, people were, like, messaging me for my birthday. And I was like, well, <laughs> I probably should fill people in. Yeah. And so um, – but as I moved into the Wednesday and things weren't improving, the part I was starting to feel was that – that I'm trying to talk to God and, you know, cognitively in my head, I know God's there and present, but I'm feeling like I'm in that spot where I'm in a locked room and I'm speaking and I don't feel like God's hearing and I don't even feel like God's present. And so, you know, I'm, I'm processing that internally, but it hadn't really come into its heaviest moments. And then when they started bumping stuff up and I started feeling that weirdness, of course, I'm trying to like seek that more, you know, talk, talking with the Lord, hearing from the Lord and still feeling silence and still feeling, and, and, you know, so like, not only was I starting to experience physical isolation, because once they moved me to the ICU, that was when my wife, um, no one could come in and see me except the nurses, doctors, or the respiratory therapists. And, uh, and they moved me twice. So that was also really kind of frustrating, like on my spirit is 
They moved me from the hospital room to one ICU room to just 12 hours later moved me to another ICU room that was like on the whole other side of the campus. And so, and it's, it's their newer one that hadn't really been opened yet. So like they ended up shifting everybody over to this new ICU because there was me and another um, COVID patient and then, but it was just the two of us. And then eventually there'd be a lot more. So, Um, but yeah, so like spiritually I'm, I'm feeling that heaviness. And then especially as it moves into Hey, like we really need to figure this out because like the next thing, we don't give you any higher oxygen. We then need to get the oxygen directly into your lungs. And so, so then you start dealing with fear and kind of questions of hope and, and all that. And so, so I was wrestling with all that as I, as I was going into the ICU and, and one of the first things in the ICU that they have you do, and I wish they would have told me this earlier, was they have you lay prone or they instruct you that the best thing you can do is lay prone on your chest mm-hmm. because it opens up your lungs in a greater way for the oxygen they're giving you to go in. And so they actually gave me this stuff that's called a Lasix shot, which it kind of takes all the um, fluid out of your body. And the idea is it's supposed to take the fluid out of your lungs huh. as well. So they'd give me that shot. And uh, so I'm like also like super thirsty now, <laughs> but I'm laying prone. And that was kind of the last time my wife saw me was – I'm laying prone. I'm uh, I'm still like not breathing well, and you know the last thing this nurse, her name was Oksana, that let us let us do is she had Becky kind of give me this like sponge of water and uh, talk about like a little bit of a correlation that I'm only thinking about now where it's like Jesus on the cross and they're giving him a sponge of wine vinegar, yeah. you know, and but that was like the last time she saw me and she was starting to feel the emotional weight of it as well, and. Uh, so yeah, so I, I go I go into that's like going into Thursday, and at that point I texted a bunch of the leaders and close friends and mentors and stuff, and was saying like, hey, I really need prayer, yeah. and uh, and so um, Pastor Mark and Pastor Lance, yourself, everyone started rallying to kind of get a prayer night put together, and yeah. so um you know they scheduled that for the Friday. And so I, I'm, I'm doing the whole Thursday prone thing. And, and I was like, the good part of it is I was trying to be a really good patient (laughs) that like, to me, once they said, Hey, you have to lay prone, it's going to help you breathe better. Like, that's all I wanted to do. So Mm -hmm. like, like I slept prone that Thursday, I woke up and I was, I was like, had breakfast. And, and again, every time I would try to get up, I'd have these coughing fits. So it was, I, I was actually worried about getting up every time. Yeah. But I would, uh, but then within an hour, maybe 90 minutes, I would tell the nurse, hey, I want to get back on my chest. And they'd be like, oh, okay, good. And so I, so I was laying prone a lot. And uh, they, I mean, they wanted you to do up to 14 hours a day. Wow. So, I mean, that's a long time. And, uh, but then I also had texted Pastor Mark specifically, as I knew people were, you know, going into this uh, prayer night, that I was like, hey, I need to be really honest that like, I'm in a dark spot right now. Like this is heavy on my spirit. I don't feel like God's present. And so like, and I, and I knew that like in terms of request, I was like, I need prayer for my healing, but I need prayer for where my mind and my spirit is at. And so I was very thankful. And I mean, pastor Mark is amazing with just the words he uses and how he receives. And so he gave some encouragement and then, you know, him, he said he would make sure that that was, passed on. And so, um, but you know, I'm going to that Friday and again, I'm, I, I still do not feel good. I'm still very afraid. I'm still wrestling with my own like spiritual spot, which just to pause for a moment and take, take a little sidestep. That's really hard when you're a pastor yeah. and you feel like you should have it all together Yep, and you should have all the answers and you should know kind of the posture to be in other than prone. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, when you don't have that, you, you have all these questions. And so now there's spiritual attack yeah. happening on it as well. But that takes us into the prayer night, which I would love to have you, because you were at it, give a little bit of um, kind of perspective of what was happening there. Yeah, and that was a really, really cool time. And and I do, I'd do i love to share about that, although I've got another question yeah, to, to before, before we get to that, because I, I think you just keyed on something that's really important. Um, you talked about being in this really, really dark place, being in... Uh, what I'm guessing was a pretty unprecedented situation for you in terms yeah. of the how dire the medical situation was, the isolation, just just all of it, and experiencing just this really profound sense of brokenness from everything mm-hmm. you've told me privately and told others, and that we've talked about, and that you've even shared here today. Um, 
And then having that be complicated by this sort of pressure <laughs> that yeah. comes from being a pastor, being a Christian. It's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm supposed to be able to kind of handle this. But I think we all face those moments in life that just kind of kind of break us. I We're going to talk a bit about kind of your own reflecting on this experience. But I, but I almost wonder just even sitting here now reflecting on having this experience that sort of breaks that pretension that I think a lot of us carry of like, oh, well, in a really hard spot, I'm going to have all the answers. But there's almost, I feel like something that happens to us when just sort of life pushes us beyond that. I don't know. Can you just reflect back on that a little bit? Yeah. And I'll actually, actually, I'll come back to it after you talk about the prayer night, only because um, it was actually some some words from a friend that's going to show up soon in my story that I think became the words that kind of gave me a recentering. Mm. Um, and again, it wasn't the, the the turn of I felt better, right? but it gave me a, a, a concept of like, okay, Lord, this is why you have me here in this state at this moment, mm. and I have to just receive it. Yeah, wow. And that wasn't an answer. Like that wasn't at that moment healing, and that wasn't at that moment clarity. It yeah. was just you have to be able to sit in this. Yeah. And, wow. uh, and so I'll, I'll expand on that a little bit more, but yeah, I would love yeah, to still, I'm going to throw it back to you. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh, you tried to give yeah, it to me. I, I gave did. it back to you I did. Um, for the prayer night. And I, and I was only able to, um, you know, Becky, um, you know, um, one of our good friends, uh, FaceTimed her in. And then, so Becky was able to kind of watch, listen. Yeah. And then I FaceTimed in for only about 15 minutes. Cause that was about all I could handle emotionally as well as physically. Cause I was still laying prone yeah. at that moment. Yeah. And uh, and so I just had my phone kind of right next to me, watching and listening. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to just share about that, yeah, just the what was in, in retrospect. Obviously, we can look back and see just God's grace in in this situation in in so many different ways. And one of them was in in the way that really we saw our church rally in support of you and and Becky and your family and. And certainly that's a testament to how much everybody loves you and cares about you and the investment you've made in this community uh, pastorally, relationally, and so many other ways over the the years. Um, I think it's also a testament to just the hearts of our people. And it was an amazing time to be out there in our outdoor pavilion, very... Uh, very sort of raw, like there wasn't a there wasn't a big program, there wasn't a a big like you know stage thing. It was just people together praying and mm-hmm. praying really earnestly and powerfully and full of faith. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a a beautiful moment. As much as I mean, I look back on it and and it was a beautiful moment. It was a very heavy moment because mm-hmm. we were all wor- we were all wor- we like. You were not out of the woods at that point, yeah, right? Yeah, we did not know what was going to happen. We did next. not know what was going to what was going to happen. So, so I don't want to look back on it with two rose-colored glasses and be like, "Oh, well, it was this big, totally hopeful time." But at the same time, it was there was a lot of hope there, and there was a lot of this sense of like we are rallying together as a faith community mm-hmm. in support of one of our own who's in a tough spot. And to see the way that our church rallied together on super short notice, by the way, <laughs> this thing came together in two like, days. Yeah, not if, even if that. Yeah, to see the way that everybody came together and and prayed for you, and then also for for Danny White, who we prayed for as well. Um, man, it was a cool thing. I was so proud of our of our church, and I was like, this is this is what it's about right here is that mm-hmm. we have each other's back. So, and I know that that for you, that did that prayer night. We're not going to sit here and say it changed things instantaneously, sort of like you like you alluded to, but that was there was a shift that happened following that. Um, yeah. So maybe share a little bit about that. Yeah, and uh, and and just to even expand, like one, it was you know I've I've been in ministry and in a church for a long time, and I've been a part of getting together to pray for people and rallying in in situations, but. I've never been in the center of it yeah. like that, where it's like you're, there people are doing it for you. And so that was like new for me in terms of experience, the receiving side of it. Yeah. And and then simultaneously what was happening is, you know, as my sister had been putting updates up about kind of my state and status and ways people can pray, I, I was starting to get messages not only from the current church body, but people all over the globe that yeah. we've had relationships and friendships with. So our home church, Sunrise, pe- friends in Canada and, 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 and people there that like 20 years ago, like, you know, was our relationships and we haven't chatted that much, but they were reaching out, friends in Sudan, friends in New Zealand. And so like I was getting a lot of these, you know, not all very long messages, but people like 
kind of showing that they were unified in yeah. this. So, um, but but kind of the big piece that happened initially, and I, and I do feel like the healing happened really quickly. But one of the first like almost immediate things that happened that a lot of people didn't know this was um, one of my good friends. He he was actually one of my first youth pastors um, at Sunrise Community Church, Perry Mayforth. He um, is a chaplain at Mercy San Juan, which is the hospital yeah. I was at. And he had actually been in Canada visiting his mom and had just come back, I believe, on the Thursday driving. Wow. <laughs> and so um, so he had only, I think, kind of heard on Thursday what was going on. And when they found out I was at Mercy um, that night, probably within an hour after this prayer night, Perry comes into the ICU. Wow. And, and I remember, and, and very Perry-like because he was like, a crazy guy, even though he's a chaplain now, he comes up and just puts his whole body on the, on the glass window. And of course, you know, in the state I'm in, like I just break down because wow. one, this is like one of the first people I've seen, people I've seen since, that's my, that's like close to me since Becky had left the Wednesday or Thursday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, but what's nice is I knew he's a chaplain. He can get suited up to come in here. Yeah. So he starts that whole process and, uh, and he comes in and I'm so glad to see him. And, and just to give everyone some context, like Perry was my, my counselor at Hume Lake in 1991, the year I accepted the Lord. Um, he was our like kind of associate high school pastor throughout my time in youth ministry. Um, he ended up taking over our middle school ministry and I worked on his volunteer staff. He was part of my calling into ministry in 1998 in Mexico. Um, he married um, my wife and I. Um, so like we have a lot of history together. And uh, and so it was just so beautiful because one of the things people were praying for is that I would feel the Lord's presence yeah. in what was going on. And it was a very incarnational moment because it was like God said, I'm not just going to give you a sense that I'm there. I'm going to put someone there that my spirit resides in. And so that like meant a lot for me. And uh, so, so Perry comes in only for about 30 minutes, but we're just chatting. He's encouraging me. Um, You know, he's been a chaplain five, six years now. So, I mean, he's been through this with people and a lot of, a lot of great things there. He prayed with me, but, but one of the things he said that became that centering piece that I was alluding to earlier is he said, Matt, I know this is very cliche, but, um, you know, he says Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. People hear this verse all the time. Yeah. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. But he goes, the part you need to listen and hold on to right now is the, and lean not on your own understanding. Mm. And he's like, you will not understand this right now. You can't wrap your mind around it. You don't, you're, you can't, uh, no, you can't understand. And and I, I needed, to, I, I know absolutely I needed to hear that because I was like, that's it. Like, Dick, you're so right. Because I'm a person that I want to have clarity and I want to have uh, a knowledge base and an understanding of it. Lean not on your own understanding. Yeah. You know, and then in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. And, and so like, you know, that was my, this was like nine o'clock now, um, eight thirty nine o'clock. And I'm like. Okay, like that's yeah. <laughs> that's now where I'm having to posture myself. So I was laying prone at the time while I'm talking to him, but I'm like, that's 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 my posture is like, yeah. I don't understand. And to what extent? I mean, I think that's so profound that that Perry was was led by the Lord to share that with you, and and obviously it was something you needed to hear in that moment. To what extent, as you had been there in the hospital, did you were you consciously trying to come to a place of understanding? Or to what extent was it just like you needed to hear those words from Perry before you could even realize like, okay, I'm trying to figure this out and this is just beyond me. Yeah. Um, which of those was it? Well, or- to extend this into a three-hour podcast, <laughs> uh, I, I think those words were extending way before uh, way before my physical infirmity that started mm-hmm. on that Saturday, July 10th. So I think some of it God was saying, this is your whole last 2021 mm-hmm. that you need to, to, to wrestle with. Um, as well as with what you're thinking and feeling here in the hospital and trying to understand and navigate what you think should happen and how it should happen. You can't, you can't, you have to be able to just be Matt trust in me. And so, so like that was, you know, and I I would say I would, I can only understand that now. I think, I think a few days after it. So, um, so I went to sleep that night um, with a tiny bit more peace in me, but still like, Still feeling isolated physically, spiritually. Um, slept well that night on my chest the whole night. Um, woke up to a new nurse on that Saturday um, named Saivel, um, who was from the Philippines. And and there was something about her and God having her for that next 12 hours 
that she was not only an excellent nurse, um, she had actually just had twin babies six months ago oh and she had had COVID. So like, wow. like there was just, you know, cause that was one thing I did do when I was in the hospital. I, I, I can't, I can't say that like I was that super amazing pastor that I'm like sitting there sharing the gospel with every person that was coming in that I hear of pastors that do and Christians that do. And I'm, yeah. but I did always seek out people's stories because yeah. I wanted to know them and let them know me. And so, and so I learned a lot about her, but she was like her encouragement her, her demeanor and the way she showed care beyond just the nursing details, yeah. it was it made a difference, again, on my spirit. So it was like another person that, like, was extending that. But, I, I mean, I woke up feeling better yeah. already. Like, I didn't have a coughing fit when I woke up that morning huh. when I kind of got out of being prone. And so so I did my same thing, though. If I got up, went back down. Um, I, think I, I think I got up a little early that morning at, like, 6 and but then I went back down by like eight thirty, yeah. and uh, and then I told her I said I'll go till one thirty, get a good five hours in, and she came in eventually at twelve thirty and was like, "You can get up. It's been <laughs> it's been four hours." Like, that's funny. and so I was like, "That's fine." And then I was like, "But I'll go back down at like two thirty, so I can get back up before you leave at seven. Like, come back up." And that was when she was like, "I don't think you need to do that. Like, I I think you're doing better." And at that point, they had started lowering my oxygen. So they lowered it from the 60 liters per minute to 35 liters per minute. And they lowered the O2 saturation from 100% to 80%. Yeah. Um, so slept prone again. Still had a – the new thing I was dealing with was a raw nose because when you have this oh. high airflow um, piece on your nose and it was right under – right above my mustache and under my nose that it was like basically like – like causing Ooh, friction. So I had like a lip balm that they had given me that I was like rubbing <laughs> on it every like three, maybe like like 30 minutes. And so, yeah. yeah, That does not sound comfortable at all. No. <laughs> now, in, in hearing about Perry and about Savell, you said her, her name yeah, was? Cyvel, yeah, Savell, uh, yeah. Savell, the ministry of presence. Mm-hmm. This is something we, we talk about in various contexts, but I think there's something here for, for anyone who might be listening just to, to recognize the power of just simply being present with somebody who mm-hmm. is suffering to show them care, to be with them, to not have the answers, to not you can't solve the problem. Yeah. How did you experience the ministry of presence through through those two individuals? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, when you're cut off from people and people like can't by protocol yeah. be around you, but you know, or there's there's limitations to how that happens. People being able to be in the room with you where you can hear their voice, whether it's through a mask or through a, you know, insulated shield sure. thing that they're they're doing, um, it goes a long way. Touch goes a long way. Um, you know, like so when Perry came in, you know, him having his hand on my back, like that was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, Cyvel at one point, I remember this very clearly because she held my hand mm. as she was talking to me and I would say – out of all the nurses, she was the only one that did that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, like, those things are, like, incredibly important. And then I'm not even giving the side that my wife could share of people coming to our house yeah. and taking care of her and my kids and just showing up, you know. And they're they're sick and they're, um, you know, like, they're not as, not nearly as bad, but they're, you know, they're positive. And, and so just, you know, the power of people coming alongside. I, I ended up... Um, I think I wrote it eventually in an email to the staff, but Romans 12 uh, verses 9 to 10, or sorry, I'm going to go back. Um, yeah, Romans 12, 9 to 16 ended up being the passage that to me epitomized kind of what I was seeing happen from the church. And, and even just those two people, but eventually like more as it went along, but it says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, mm-hmm. outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, which that verse right there, yeah. like epitomized it alongside of all these so much, but um, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Per- bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Um, uh, and then, it, you know, 
kind of just jumping to the end, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Um, and, and, you know, those, those verses in Romans became such a key, like I was, I was watching that happen yeah. on multiple levels, but yeah, that the physical presence and my wife and I reflected on it in my last days in the hospital because Becky, um, before COVID had been working in the hospital at Sutter downtown yeah. doing oncology massage. So she was working in the blood marrow transfusion units and the oncology with patients that are dealing with cancer yeah. and, and some of them, you know, this is terminal and, the presence of just having someone come in that they're not doing formal protocol, right? Like, like more like process, but they're there, you know, giving positive touch yeah. and she's doing lymphatic massage. And so it's not like deep tissue, but we were, her and I were talking about just how important her job was, yeah. you know, and just knowing how, what I was going through within right. that. So. Right. And, and what a, what a powerful reminder that is to, to all of us. Uh, I mean, first of all, yes, you look at Becky's situation and that there is there is a therapeutic service being offered in terms of the massage and all of that. And uh-huh. like, that's obviously important on its own. But there's a whole nother thing happening there when it is, like you said, just that positive, positive touch like yeah. that is. And, and and obviously, like in this situation you were in where you were deprived of presence uh-huh. for so long, man, it's so powerful. And I, I just think that's such a such a beautiful thing we can offer one another in times of sorrow and grief is it's, it's not answers. It's not fixes. It's just presence. And it's really neat that you experienced that. Yeah. And that carried on even into my recovery, people showing up at my house. Yeah. And you know, you usually would be like, Oh, like you should have told me you're coming or something. No, there were some people that showed up and it's like, I like went out and hugged them and like invited them in because I was like, I'm so glad to see people <laughs> like, and so, um, but, but just to kind of wrap up the actual like physical story, yeah. um, and, and, and start walking into the spiritual, I, um, I came into the end of that Saturday night and, you know, I was, I was improving. So we were watching physical healing happen. And I remember, I don't remember the exact hour, but I remember being in a spot where when I, I was seeing that things were shifting, that I just started, I was laying in my bed and I just started talking out loud mm-hmm. to the Lord for like 45 minutes. And I just started sharing my gratitude, my thankfulness, praising God for what he'd been doing, but also just in a sense, confessing, going like, God, like I've been doing this and I've thought like this and I want to be a better pastor and I want to be a better follower of you, a better disciple. I want to be a better father, a better husband, a better friend, a better, you know, and I just, and it was just this whole like reshift of, of what, I wanted to do. And the way I was describing it to people, as I said, I've, I've had a very reformational, transformational just time, like in this last 24 hours. And, uh, and, and then what was cool that came right off of it is I was, I, I didn't have my Bible with me when, when I went to the ICU, Becky had to take all my stuff. And mm-hmm. so she was able to drop off a book for me that I was able to access. But I started, I, re- I was reading that book a little bit, um, but I started getting into scripture again. And, I, and I've shared this with you and a few others where it's like, it wasn't just like, hey, I'm going to fill some time with reading scripture. It was like, I was like consuming it. So it was like, I was like, First John, Amos, Obadiah, Micah, the whole book of Romans, Hebrews, <laughs> the book of Matthew, Proverbs 1 to 8. And I just, I just kept reading and there was no like hindrance or like, I don't want to do this or I'm doing too much and, and so on and so on. And, and so th- like, this was just like a fill up in my spirit. And so, so then we got to, to Sunday. Um, and, uh, so then I got to Sunday and, uh, and about 10, uh, in the morning at one point they dropped my, uh, my oxygen to now 10 liters per minute. So Saturday morning, you know, 60 liters per minute, hundred percent saturation. Now it's Sunday and it's like 10, 10 liters per minute at like 40% saturation. And so the doctor came by and he was feeling really good about everything with the lower oxygen flow. Um, so they'll likely move me back um, to another room. Didn't say how long. Um, and uh, and they had done another x-ray and they were like, you know, your lungs are looking so much better from yeah. like, you know, four, four days ago, five days ago. Um, so that was like some cool confirmation. A few hours later, they dropped my my oxygen to seven liters per minute. Um, respiratory therapist is coming by and they're loving what they're hearing and seeing. But because I'm still a COVID patient, 
it's hard to find rooms in the hospital where they can move you because they have to put you in a certain type of negative pressure room. So, so the doctor tells me that Sunday and says they're going to start the order. And it's not until Monday night <laughs> that they finally move me out of the ICU. So like when he told me that Sunday morning, I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm getting out of here. They're going to release me. And then it was like, I'm still here. Um, but even that was, I think, purposeful because I think God started making putting me in a spot where I started praying for all the people in the ICU Hmm. because by then there was like nine patients and within HIPAA rules, I'm asking all sorts of questions of my nurses (laughs) to find out how I can pray and they can't tell me everything. But, uh, so, so that, you know, brings us into Monday and, and like that Sunday to Monday was actually the best sleep that I had. Um, I think I slept seven hours, which is before I was getting four or five and, uh, and I remember even when I woke up, I, you know, I could see the screen that was near me because I had a constant pulse ox monitor on my finger. And, you know, for the most part, my oxygen was 90, 91, sometimes down in 89. Yeah. And that night when I slept well, it was like when I was, and I was laying prone, 98, 99, which yeah. is what it should be. Right. And so, and then even when I got up, it was 94. And so it was like, wow, like this is such good news. And so by that evening, uh, 5.45, they moved me out um, to a hospital floor and and Becky was able to come yeah. to the hospital floor. And and so that was wonderful. Which that must have been, uh, I don't, I mean, tell us about that. I mean, that, gosh, after being, <laughs> yeah. what you'd been through the last few days to have your wife be able to come and see you. <laughs> I yeah. mean, my goodness. I think the f- people that had to see me the first like 48 hours from being out of the ICU and at home, like I think people were thrown off guard because- I was hugging a lot longer. Yeah. Like this was not just like you hug. It was like, and that was, and this is not just my wife. Like uh, everybody, yeah. I was like hugging them for like thirty seconds, and they're like, "Could, could I get that?" <laughs> and so, no, it was it was so good. Um, and of course, she wanted to like take care of me in a lot of regards. So, so one of the things in that hospital room is there was a shower. And so that was the first time in 10 days that I was able to take a shower, and that was really nice. And she had also brought me an extra change of clothes because I had been in the same clothes for four days, five days, because I changed right before, I think, uh, the ICU. And uh, so, yeah, so that was real real nice. And then again, by that time of night, my respiratory therapist had brought down my oxygen to like four liters Mm -hmm. per minute, and she ended up saying – Hey, like, cause by that time it was a different, it wasn't high flow anymore. She's like, you can alter it. So she's like, if you want to turn it down lower, see how you're doing. And then you can turn it back up if you're feeling like too weak. And so, so I went to bed that last, that night at one liter per minute. And so, so again, when I'm going, okay, it's Monday and on Friday I'm on 60 liters per minute and Monday I'm on one. And so, so then the next morning I have a new nurse and, you know, to kind of wrap up the actual story in the hospital, uh, you know, I'm still reading scripture. I'm, I'm praying for other people that I know have other infirmities and distress. So, so even as I'm still in the hospital coming out of it, God's already been working on my mind and spirit to put me back in the flow of things where I'm seeing other people's needs on social media or, and I'm now more praying for those yeah. while I'm still waiting to get discharged. And, and again, I was thankful for God kind of recentering me in that way. But yeah, woke up, um, my nurse, uh, we had a lot of great conversations. She was really fun, and uh, her name was Bonnie. And uh, and we ended up, uh, you know, kind of. She talked to the doctor a little bit more, and they were like, "Hey, let's try taking the oxygen off of you for thirty minutes." And Becky had come by and and just see how you do. Yeah. And we did it, and my oxygen rate saturation stayed up. So she's like, "Okay, let's go up to an hour." And then it was two hours, and I didn't put the oxygen back on. And at that point, the Monday, they were going to send me home with an oxygen tank mm-hmm. because that's the normal rehabilitation process for yeah. people that have gone through it with what I did. And uh, and they were like, hey, like, you're fine, so you don't have to have that. And so, um, yeah, and so then it was just waiting for paperwork at that point, which was still another four or five hours. <laughs> of course. Uh, which at that time, it was fine. And, uh, and yeah, like – like finally getting discharged and then heading, heading home. And, uh, yeah. And it was, you know, the first 24 hours were still like very much recovery. And for people that didn't know, like I lost 17 pounds when I was in the hospital and uh, praise the Lord, I've only put on a pound of that <laughs> since I've been out and for three weeks. But, uh, but you know, like, so I came back and it was a lot of, it was just kind of re-energizing the body, yeah. um, with some movement. Um, I drank so much water that first first day. I think I drank three gallons. Like, <laughs> and then, so of course I was in the bathroom a lot as well. Um, but just also just getting nutrients cause I wasn't eating a ton in the hospital. And, uh, 
yeah, and then it was just good, you know, seeing my kids, seeing my my family, and my mom came over that night, and uh, and so yeah, it was it was rich. And then again, just the process, like watching the love of the church and the community of faith, like all around the world, not only in the midst of my most severe stuff, but even in my discharge and recovery, watching them and being a part of them celebrating yeah. and praising God with me along with that alongside of me and that was that was super rich and and like you used the term earlier and I really like it like it was a proud moment to watch the body of Christ yeah um, because it was like you don't want and I think Lance said this to me you don't want to see anyone go through this but when you see how God uses it you go if that if that was simply Lord to unite the church and grow us in a greater faith and to shift some things spiritually and, and emotionally and, and mentally inside of me, Matt, yeah. it's worth it. Mm. And so, you know, and that's hard to say, like yeah. you never want to, you know, put someone in and ask, pray for someone to go into that. But it's, now it's like, I look back on it and I go, you know, this is a huge step in my journey of faith and in my life. Yeah. Well, and ultimately, you're the one who can say that, right? Like, uh -huh. it's not my place or anyone else's place to be like, well, look, Matt, all this good stuff happened. So this terrible thing you went through is worth it. You're like, well, wait a second. You weren't in the hospital room. Yeah. But for you, having had that experience, to be able to look back on it and see that is pretty is pretty yeah. awesome. And yeah, it's like Joseph in the book of Genesis, where I don't think anybody could have been saying that to Joseph in any of the places he was, right? When he was in the pit, that his brothers threw him in, sold into slavery with the Ishmaelites at Potiphar's house in the prison. I don't think anyone could have said that to him. Yeah. But I think he's able to say it at the end of his story to his brothers. Like, yeah. what you intended for harm, God has used for good. Yeah. And it's going to mean the protection and the sustaining of our family. Yeah. Because I'm the one second in charge in Egypt. I can take care of us in this famine. And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for what God has done within it. I'm incredibly grateful for how the church has been a part of it and all the friends and family from all over that have reached out. And, uh, and the thing I've been encouraging people like both in online and, and in person is, um, keep doing that for every person that you hear, whether it's COVID or something else, yeah. keep praying and seeking out and trying to support and love in that way. Like, yeah. Like uh, I, I hope, and I'm not saying this as like a deep concern, but I hope we don't just do this for like pastors yeah. or for, you know, like I'm, I'm very thankful for everyone's support and love of me and my family. But I, I want to see that for every person yeah. because there's a lot of people that they don't have all of that in the same way. Right. And so we need to be that. And so, so that's kind of that like, you know, High, high invite, high thankfulness and, and challenge, you know, and that's for me too, like, and, you know, trying to keep up with people on that. Yeah. No, I think that's really well said. Now, virtually anybody who has uh, spent time with you over the course of the last few weeks uh, has said the same thing. And I'm guessing at least one or two people have said it to your face, which is, Matt's a different guy. Mm -hmm. Like, you clearly have been transformed by this experience. And... Can you just talk us through that? What what has God done in you? I mean, even even in you know you and I just as 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 being being in relationship as we are, haven't really had a chance to talk this through. I think this is really the part that that I'm kind of dying to hear you talk about, and then I think for everybody else to be like, man, how, how is God? How did God meet you and and transform you through this experience? Yeah, uh, gosh, that's that's a, that's a huge question. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I do agree, like. Like the way I viewed stuff, my perspective, my philosophies, my values, those shift. And I think any pe any anyone that is listening to this um, that has been through anything in any way severe. So like, for instance, there's a drummer here at our church that he was in something pretty severe earlier in the year. And uh, and I was reminded of that, that like, you know, he was like on a near death yeah. type of situation as well. Like anyone that's been through that, it, it does shift how you look at your relationships, how you look at your time use and your values. And, uh, and, and so like, I think that's an initial, like everyone kind of expects that, but I think the, what we've been talking about on this, on this recording with what I went through with that kind of dark night of the soul and then having a fresh encounter with the Lord, I, I think when you've been in a spot where your your encounter or your presence has become just routine mm -hmm. and rhythm uh, without 
consistent intimacy with the Lord, um, when that reconnects, it there's something that just sparks because all of your practice, like truly, if we're if we're truly living out the Christian faith the way Scripture describes it and designs it, all of our practice and our demeanor and and how we live and how we talk is going to come out of our heart, right? Because our heart is the center of stuff. And so when that is transformed, reformed, uh, jump-started, right? Like spiritually, like that then starts affecting all the other areas. Again, how you talk about stuff, how you, how you handle like challenge, you know, like I, I think that's one that I've seen the most over the last four weeks is how I handle challenge or frustration or things that, you know, when I look at before to now, I, I see that shift. But then, yeah, then it's even in small things like willingness to serve. And that was always something that was part of my personality yeah. and, and stuff. But like, you know, just even more going, oh, I want to help you. Yeah. How can I do that? You know, like it, it had been re-sparked in a lot of ways. So I, I think that could be a longer conversation. Sure, but yeah. yeah. Well, I want to ask one kind of last last question. And, and it's a little bit similar to what I just said. But um Going in, okay, so we're talking July, early July is when this all started. Yeah, July 6th, when it all started, July 10th in the hospital. And going into that point, most humans on planet Earth are not in a great spot, right? We've all suffered a lot in these this last year, year and a half. We've suffered in different ways. I hesitate to say, oh, we've all been through this together. Well, we've experienced a lot of the same things, but it's affected us differently. But a lot of us... A lot of us are hurting, a lot of us are broken by stuff, a lot of us facing, you know, relational tension and social tension and financial issues. I mean, we just, we've all lived this. I don't need to belabor this point. You experienced, you'd been experiencing your own brokenness. So had I, so had others. Um, to, to what extent did God use this experience to bring some healing into your life? Um, just as you reflect back on, like, again, like we all can reflect back on just the challenges you faced during the COVID era. How did God use this for some healing there? Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, again, really good question. A lot you could say, so I'm trying to think of, of how to kind of bring it in in a succinct way. Because uh, I, I think a lot of us know that, like, all the stuff from shelter in place to how everybody from the, the highest level of government to your neighbor were handling that, right? And and the frustrations and the bitterness and, and uh, you know, why are they doing it this way? And I think it's like this and... So all those emotions, so not the, not the, what you think is truth or reality about it, but like all the emotions involved in that and that isolation to, you know, springing back in to some life normal together that summer to fires. It's like, we feel like we're on repeat this year. Right. Um, And limitations being back indoors and not, you know, getting outside uh, to like seeing some, you know, hope and growing out of it again at the end of the year to, you know like, you know, new waves in the winter and right. stuff like that. So like a, we've had a lot of like false, false starts yeah. in a lot of ways. And so that plays on your brain and that plays on your heart. And then again, like that's just on your like bigger environment level. And then stuff can be happening in your personal environment, right? Your family and how you are all interacting on that. And some families have had better runs and some have had worse. Yeah. Um, you know, to how you're navigating things at your jobs, to to how you're navigating things with the lack of school for your kids or sports or, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot that's crushing in. And right. uh, and I know I'm kind of starting a little bit macro um, on all that. But, you know, like when you come into to that and you see how that starts affecting your spiritual, uh, I'll say foundation, right? So to, to truly think of a ancient Israel stone foundations <laughs> when, when those things are, are cracked and when those things are not lined up right. So actually I'll use, I'll use Amos seven as a good example. And, and it's probably good that I reckon back to this because this was the first message I ever preached at Bridgeway when I was candidating. Hmm. Um, Cause Amos seven, God talks about a plumb line that he's going to hold up against Israel and about that their, their wall isn't to plumb. And so if you don't know what a plumb line is, to give it really briefly, back in the ancient world, it was a string with a stone or a metal piece at the end. Nowadays, it tends to be like a metal spike or they have laser plumb lines now. Um, And basically, you would let gravity from the top of a pole or a stick 
let that rope hang down and you would build the wall along that rope so that it would be straight yeah. and not be crooked. Yeah. And uh, and so Amos's challenge in the prof- prophetic book is, Israel, you're not to plumb. Your stones are all crooked and yeah. I want to bring you back to to straight. Mm-hmm. And so like to me, in the in the prophetic book, in Amos, he doesn't actually say that that happens. Mm-hmm. But like I look at for myself that whatever had shifted in the foundations, whatever cracks were there, whatever stuff was misaligned, I felt like God used a lot of this to bring things back to plumb, mm-hmm. right? So things were back straight vertically. Wow. And uh, and so, you know, and if we're going to get really cliche, it was straight vertically in terms of my relationship with him again. Yeah. But then also we know that that affects how things are on the ground yeah. in terms of how you relate to everyone else. Yeah, awesome. That's really well said. Okay, I know I said the last one was my last question question, but this is the truly last question. And just, just obviously, Hey, you're, you're in the lobby, you're around, people can come up and hug you and talk to you and all of that. And you were on stage this last weekend, which was so fun to, to see you back up there. Kind of a, just for this recording, a, a, a message for the, just the Bridgeway family and just the way that they've, they've supported you and, and been there for you. And just what, what does that meant to you and your family? Yeah. Um, I'm, I just want to so, make you cry. Before the recording. Stop it. <laughs> No, I, I, you know, I said it online a number of times, but, uh, but, you know, like, I don't think everyone will understand how incredibly grateful and loved on we felt. Like, I can say that on a social media post, I can say that in an email, and I'm, and I've said it to a lot of you as you've come up and let me know that you were praying for us and that you're so glad to see what God has done. And, and it's like one of those things where it's like, I wish I could show you on this side of heaven hmm. how much that impacted me and my family yeah. um, and and changed us. And so so I'm incredibly thankful for, for everyone's role, whether it was just a quick microwave prayer or you have been consistently praying for us. And and then like I said, like like thank you. And I yeah, I because Right now, I have the antibodies. <laughs> I'm 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 excited to hug people, but still wanting to respect the fact that I don't want anyone else to get this, and so sure. I'm I'm still kind of having like a eager caution, if sure. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but but at the same time, like like I was said, saying earlier, like take that now and multiply it. Um, yeah. There are other people in distress and and dealing with their own journey and tragedy and. And in the same way that you've done that for me, like go and do it for someone else. Um, Cause there are people that aren't going to reach out and they're not going to have someone to advocate and share what's going on for them. So sometimes we have to insert ourselves in and then follow up. Yeah. You know, like I, I have a number of people right now that I'm tracking with their stories that are similar to mine. Yeah. And, and it, and it takes time of me like daily I would say daily, sometimes multiple times a day, trying to follow up and see where they're at so I can keep praying for where they're at. But but thank you to the body of Christ here locally at Bridgeway for the body of Christ across um, the world and everyone that's had connection with us. I'm super thankful. And uh, I praise the Lord for you and for his, um, his work in yep. acting in our lives. Yep. Well, hey, we sure do love you. And we are sure, sure praising God and grateful to have you back in action. And man, Hey, let's keep moving forward. Amen. 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 All right. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed hearing Pastor Matt's story. We will see you again real soon. Bye-bye.